Hello and welcome to Service Headline News. I am Marty Smith. And I am Eric Perot. <laughs> and we're here to bring you the latest headlines and updates pertinent to all servicemen and women. So sit back, get informed, and maybe have a laugh as the Swearing In Podcast presents Service Headline News. Eric, how was your Labor Day? Labor Day was good. Played golf. You cracking at 80 yet? No. No. Have Crack you ever 90. shot under 80? No. Never? I've only shot under I've only shot under ninety once. Oh yeah. Actually, yeah. But I'm getting better. Yeah? As a scramble, we shot a fifty five not a fifty five, fifty seven the other day, That's last Thursday. Cheat on a scramble. Everybody yeah, everybody cheats on we a didn't cheat. I had I've gone out on those military scrambles and <laughs> like, hey, I think we did pretty good. We came in at like eighty five. And then the winner would be like fifty two. Yeah. Like, what? The guys that beat us <laughs> shot a fifty five, we we shot a fifty seven. That's crazy. So, That's yes, no, Labor Day was good. Never long enough. No, that's true. Had to work Monday, but that's true. Well, this week in military history, September eighth, nineteen forty-three, General Dwight Eisenhower publicly announces the surrender of Italy to the Allies. That got no play with me in my history class. I never knew when Italy kind of surrendered. Right. right? I, I again, we talked about before we started here. You know, understanding that they were part of the Axis. They were. You would have to get their sign on surrendering as well, I yeah. would assume. So it's it's kind of unique, but you never hear about that. It's weird when you look at some of the coverage of the history of World War II, and they talk about the Africa campaign, and then they jump to Sicily, and then they kind of jump. After Sicily, it's like Normandy after that. And you're yeah. like, well, what happened in between there, right? Yeah. So... Um, well, I know there was the Battle of Anzio because I always had that little cool right. game. Anzio. We had little tanks and little soldiers. That <laughs> <laughs> was the Battle of Anzio. I was on that, Anzio. by the way. Yeah. So with Mussolini deposed from power and the earlier collapse of the fascist government in July of 1943, General Pietro Bedoglio, <laughs> that's absolutely correct, the man who had assumed power in Mussolini's stead by request of King Victor Emmanuel began negotiating with General Eisenhower for weeks. And weeks later, Badoglio finally approved a conditional surrender, allowing the Allies to land in southern Italy and began beating the Germans back up the peninsula. Right. So the long haul. Here's a dumb question that I had, <clears throat> right? So we had I know there's a push, um, and I know there's there's some uh, failures where you know the Allies wanted to take Rome, but they didn't. You know, there's that there's that whole piece. But why didn't we use Italy as a jumping off point for the invasion? For the invasion, right? Why why go through the biggest armada, the biggest planned operation in history at Normandy? Why didn't we just push up through Italy? That's the first question. I know there's uh, there's tactical things about that, but what do you think? Well, I believe first off and foremost, I think Germany thought that would be one of the advances on Europe using sure. using the Italy, production. especially since uh, they crumbled. I'm sure. So I'm quick. sure Germany knew they were going to crumble. You know, those guys were running around on horses. They had no freaking armor. <laughs> yeah, they were, nothing, you know, right? yeah, they had nothing. So they they. Wait, I'm going to use my word. They capitulated rather quickly. Well, oh, <laughs> you got it in the second podcast. I think it's because they needed to make the greatest military movie of all time, A Saving Private Ryan. That's why they did it. Okay. They knew it was coming. 
Well, according to British military historian Sir Michael Howard, who fought as a junior infantry officer in Italy from September of 1943 until the end of the war, he later observed that anyone who thought of Italy as, quote, the soft underbelly of Europe, end quote. I've heard that term in in different history books. Whoever thought that Italy was a soft underbelly of Europe never spent a winter campaigning in the Italian mountains. It's more direct and easier to get to Germany by going through northern France than Italy. In northwest Europe, you have to cross successive river lines. But in Italy, you have to cross significant mountain ranges. Mountains are much easier to defend. In addition, with Britain as your base of operations, it's considerably easy to supply an an army in France than in Italy. If the goal was to invade Germany, Italy was a strategic dead end. Although it could be used as a base for air operations, which I think we'd use. You know, that makes total sense thinking about it now. Yeah. With the mountains and the... I don't even know what... Yeah, they would have gone over the Alps. The Alps. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're up to your behind in snow. So. Right. And that, and it would have been easy for the uh, for the Germans to the bottleneck defense. into roads and stuff like that. So yeah. um, anyway, that's September 8th, 1943. Amazing. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, last week... In our last episode, we talked about hair and tattoos and hygiene. That's right. That's right. And it, it all came down to recruiting and uh, retention. Well, my next story talks about um, airmen losing potential money in regards to special duty pay. That's right. And after you allow them to grow their beards and show their tattoos... You take their money away. I'm sure that's going to end up helping with retention and recruitment. But anyway, the article, uh, it's called Airmen Brace for Special Duty Pay Cut in 2023. Hundreds of enlisted airmen face pay cuts of up to $5,400 a year due to physical constraints facing the Air Force, the service confirmed on Friday. The Pentagon has asked Congress to give fewer airmen the extra monthly compensation known as special duty assignment pay in fiscal 2023. That money, ranging from $75 to $450 a month, is offered to troops in particularly grueling or important jobs, a list that can change throughout the year. Now, didn't it just answer its own question? You're going to take money away from those jobs that are more intense and particularly more grueling Right. And expect people to stay. That's fantastic, isn't it? I don't understand. The services also use special duty pay to entice airmen to extend their service in those fields. Mm-hmm. Good luck. <laughs> you might as well let them grow another beard or add another tattoo. Guess who Guess who? Uh, all the hands went down and they're like, hey, who wants to be a first sergeant? And they're like, not no more. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> Who wants to fly and be part of the Raven program? Yeah. Not me anymore. Anybody want to go be a BMT instructor? No. No. Nope. <laughs> Thanks. Monthly bonuses, monthly bonus pay for 30,000 airmen will cost the Air Force an estimated $90.2 million, according to the service's physical 23 budget requests. Yeah. That's the lowest ask in at least two years. And they feel that number needs to be reduced lower. Yeah, it is. Unless lawmakers tweak the amount as part of a final federal spending agreement, the pay cut will take effect 
when Congress and President Joe Biden approve the military's funding request in the coming months. Go down to what go down to what the uh, Air Force Vice Chief of Staff General David Allen had to say. Asked about the issue during a live question and answer session Thursday, Air Force Vice Chief of Staff General David Allen lamented, (laughs) is that what that is? Lamented the hard choice service leaders, hard choices service leaders have to make and the limitations on their spending. They're working hard up there on those choices. Yeah, I bet he's not losing his bonus or his (laughs) special duty pay. Sure. General Alvin said, it's tough to look at the airmen and say, yes, we have tough economic times, but I'm going to cut your pay anyway, he said. We carve out little bits of money here and there to afford that next F-35 or to be able to do that development and testing here. But that doesn't resonate very well. We all have work to do to understand the impact on recruiting and retention. Yes, Wow. <laughs> Can you just, it's like you just said, we don't want any more people in the Air Force. In fact, we're going to let these people go because we're going to stop all their money. I wonder how much one F-35 training mission costs in terms of how many BMT instructors do you have to put together to pay special duty pay for that one flight Sure, for that F-35? I could, you know what I, I mean? Could, yeah, I couldn't imagine. It's like, I'll wipe them all out. And we're not even talking about those um, special duty assignments that are more dangerous and grueling. Right. Right? The ones that really require you. Well, when you get to the list. Uh, yeah. When you get to the list. I, I, and I, wanted, I threw this in for a, a notch in the belt for this David guy. Basic pay. <laughs> For active duty enlisted airmen ranges from $1,695 a month for brand new recruits to $9,300 a month for those serving in the military's highest enlisted positions. When you talk about the E-4 and below, oh yeah, those guys can't even, they're below the poverty line. Yeah, that's the majority of the pyramid. Yeah, right? they that's can't the, sustain themselves. No. I'm amazed. So you do special duty because you're going to get, hey, Get a couple hundred little bucks. Additional, little additional funding. Yeah, heck, I'll do that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, here is the list of those special duties that could be affected. Basic military training instructors. That will be affected. Without a doubt. If they cut this. So, yeah. Good point. Will be affected. Basic military training instructors. Human intelligence debriefers. I'm not really what sure what that are. is. I don't know what that is either. Combat controllers. Yeah. So we're talking about a whole AFSC there. All the all I think you're about to mention all the special ops of the Air Force here, right? Pararescue men, yeah. tactical air control party operators. TACPs, combat controllers, pararescue, all not getting special duty pay. Command chief master sergeants. Well why should they get special the duty pay? <laughs> they got the rank. Oh my god. Special reconnaissance operators. Yeah, I don't know what they are either. First sergeants. Yeah, nobody's going to volunteer for that anymore. Nope. Defense attache office liaisons. I don't know what that is either. Airmen in the nuclear enterprise. I'm not real sure what that is either. I don't know, but if you're around nukes, you probably, that's probably, I justify that. You're either smart or you're hazard. (laughs) One of the two, right? I would assume, I'm not going to assume anything. Airmen in nuclear enterprise. I'm not sure. We'll have to look what You don't think that's maybe 
cops on the missile fields. No. You don't no. think so? No. Because that's, that's, that's traditional. That's not airmen around nukes? No. But that's no. that's traditional cop duties. Oh, okay. Airmen in the, in the missile fields, that's our part of our, our oh, AFSC. That's basic yep. base stuff. Yep. Air Force Office of Special Investigation Agents. So OSI. Yep. Air Traffic Control Supervisors. Enlisted Pilots. That sucks. Oh, Whoa, that pisses me off. Why do you mess with an enlisted pilot, but you're not going to touch know. an officer? Oh, my goodness. There's worse. There's a, there's some jobs in here that you haven't got to. It's really going to piss people off. Oh, enlisted weapons directors. I don't know what that is. Me neither. Parachute instructors and those with the test parachute program. You know what? If there is one job that you want them that to have a little extra pay, yes. the guy who packs your parachute. Yes. Yes. Give him a few extra dollars. Can I tip him next time I go? Flight attendants. Do we have those? That must be like Air Force One guys or something. It's got to be. It's not a loadmaster. Who else has flight engineer? Uh, Mission system specialists. Loadmasters. Loadmasters. My God. Contracting airmen. Air Force honor guardsmen. And mine. Phoenix Raven security force defenders. So you're going to take that special duty pay after you're going to send them two guys to guard an airplane in some hostile country. Explain real quick what Phoenix Raven was again. So the Phoenix Raven program was designed for any time an Air Force cargo courier plane departed the U.S., continental U.S., that needed onboard protection. So they put two security forces members on the plane to travel with it. Usually they're in flight okay. suits. And you did that before it was called Raven. Correct. Right? Yes. Wow. We did that in Charleston back in, in the early 80s. Um, and then they even created an actual school for Phoenix Raven. Oh, they did. So you, you go in for hand-to-hand combat, the red man suit, oh, you wow. beat each other to death. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So pretty good stuff. Um, and to finish off the list, airmen who work with forward area refueling points. Is that Aeroport? No, I, I, I think that's Aeroport, right? Isn't it mobile Aeroport? Uh, or at least what that used to be. Or is called. that just refueling guys? I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe. Flying crew chiefs, defense couriers, airmen who but work. You can't, so you can't skip over that. I mean, you talk about crew chiefs? Crew chiefs is a. I know a ton of crew chiefs. They used to be crew chiefs. Flying crew right, chiefs. Right, right, right. Those guys, I, I didn't realize they got special duty. Special duty. Hmm. They don't get it anymore. Airmen who work at certain commands or government agencies. Yeah, the rest of those are goofy yeah. lists. Airmen who work with certain federal panels. Public affairs airmen assigned to recruiting squadrons. Air transportation airmen. And airmen who work on classified Air Force projects. Yeah. That's, that makes no sense. But me. the biggest one is crew chiefs, honor guard, um, let's see, TACP, oh, yeah, pararescue, combat controllers, your Ravens, uh, security forces. First sergeants and OSI guys. It's just, that's crazy. So those who go into those special ops kind of fields yeah. are doing it now just because they want to be part of something now, different. They'll, Not for money. They'll have some article a year from now. It's like Air Force <laughs> puzzled while special duty is has a drop in Dwindled. volunteerism. <laughs> just like they're doing right now. You well, know, by... Retention in those particular career fields are falling away. You can't figure it out. You Why can't they're... understand it. But you know what? Their tattoos and the beards are really looking good. <laughs> Come on, man. All right. So they're, they're doing all these incentives to get you in, right? To, to keep you in, right? Navy's offering money. 
Ah, they're letting you grow beards, (laughs) tattoos, ponytails. Well, here's another one. The Air Force and the Space Force, and this is by Rachel Cohen from the Air Force Times. Air Force and Space Force may let in applicants who test positive for THC. The wonderful, wonderful non-addictive drug of marijuana. Hey, we can't get enough people. Let's let's let those guys in too. Hmm. But marijuana use may no longer disqualify prospective applicants from joining the Air Force or Space Force due to a possible policy change under consideration at the Air Force Recruiting Service. Uh, <clears throat> recruiting boss, Major General Ed, Tom- Ed Thomas told Air Force Times in a recent interview that his organization is exploring the option of granting waivers to recruits who test positive for THC, marijuana's high-inducing chemical. If applicants, quote, if applicants test positive for THC when they go to MEPS, they're permanently barred from entering the Air Force or the Space Force, he said. But as more states legalize cannabis, there is an increased prevalence of THC-positive applicants. Now, he's a genius. It's, that's some that's, deductive work that's there. That's hardcore sure. thinking. That's there, why he's a major general. Right. If a THC positive applicant is otherwise qualified to serve and the Air Force believes they will, this is awesome, and the Air Force believes they will act in good faith and forego cannabis once in the service, (laughs) hey, recruit Parat, I see that you did some pot here. (laughs) You promise not to do it ever again? I promise, sir. All right, you're in. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Tom, the general said, though, that would be grounds for a waiver. Now, in case you're wondering, in April 2021, the Navy started a two-year pilot program in which otherwise qualified applicants who test positive for marijuana at MEPS can get a waiver to move on to boot camp following a 90-day waiting period. That experiment will run until April 2023. The Army also enforces a 90-day waiting period before aspiring soldiers who test positive for THC at MEPS can ask for a waiver to join the service. If a first-time offender then pops positive, I I love that they use that word, the the term pops positive (laughs) for any drug on their second test, they are permanently disqualified from joining the Army. The Marine Corps allows THC-positive recruits to request a waiver that overrides their disqualification. If approved, they can return to MEPS after 45 days, enough to wash it out of your system. Defense Department data from 2020 provided to Air Force Times shows that 8% of Americans between the ages of 17 and 24 are disqualified from military service due to drug abuse which covers a broader range, obviously, of prescription and illegal drugs and marijuana alone. And much harder stuff. All but 11 states. I didn't realize it had been that, that many. All but 11 states have legalized marijuana for medical and or recreational use. We're almost there. Almost there. <laughs> uh, more than half of all new recruits come from states where medical marijuana is legal. Um Natalie Grogan, who studies military personnel at the Center for a New American Security, said adjusting the rules on marijuana could play a role in opening the door to as much as one-third of young American men who may have disqualifying past criminal conduct. I don't know how she, how she gets one-third when back up here it said 8% of Americans between the ages of 17 to 24 are disqualified. But hmm. um, anyway... So, you might get your pay cut, 
but you can come in high, long-haired, beard, tatted up. You know what? I I don't think there's ever been a study done on someone who is actually at work in what we consider a critical field. I don't know, carrying a weapon, the key, the finger on the button to launch a nuke at a missile silo. Sure. And if he's high, how high does he have to be to not be in full control of his faculties? (laughs) Does that, that, I, I... I, I, I hear you. I'm just a little concerned. Of course, I've accepted the whole marijuana thing. I get it. It's it's just as bad as alcohol and alcohol it is, is legal and yeah. so yeah. forth and so on. But again, now you're allowing it to be in the system while at work. When, you're not allowed to be at work drunk. Um, true. Right? Right. So if you got THC in your body, technically... What's the number that allows you to say I'm high? I don't know. This, and I shouldn't be here. You know, where are those all those groups that were in Colorado before it was legal, who would come out with all their facts and figures and how you can operate with a little bit of THC in your system, and it's it doesn't do the same thing that alcohol does. You know, oh, on and on. And then it was legal, and I never heard from these guys again. Right? Um, but I know sitting on console in Space Command in certain jobs. Uh, the TSSEI jobs, they have that old Stratcom flight dock standard for being able to sit on console and what was allowed and what wasn't allowed. Um, for example, Sudafed, if you were on Sudafed because you had a cold, you were not allowed to sit console. You had to take the day off. Right. That so, was part of the PRP stuff when you dealt with new. Yeah, same too, thing. Right? Same thing. Yeah. Right? I'm like, Sudafed. Yeah. Sudafed. Right? Right. So guess who was taking Sudafed every Thursday afternoon so they could get this qualified (laughs) for the Friday shift and then get an extended weekend. Well, think about, here's here's the option. All right, Marty, you're getting on this C-130. You're flying to California. You're going to be flying with Captain Perot, who's just smoked three joints with his buddies, (laughs) you know, but he's fine. He's, he's. He could pass a field sobriety maneuver, or you're going to get with, you know, Airman Snuffy, who hasn't, and he knows how to fly, and which would you prefer to fly But it's with? okay if I'm flying, because they're handing out, like, z now for all these soldiers <laughs> flying anyway, so they're knocking them out anyway. I'm like, you won't know, you won't know, all right? I we'll wake you up in case of a water I landing. certainly believe our PTSD rate will go down. It could. Give me a bag of Cheetos, dude. I'm okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No disrespect to those for the, with PTSD, by the way. So, yeah, again, it's just another, uh, it's just another crazy effort, which my, my own commentary on this is it's, it's dumb because they're trying to treat um, symptoms, but they're not treating the cause of why people aren't coming into the military. Sure. You know, I mean, and the whole, in my opinion, this will probably get cut, but uh, edit it out. But in my opinion, I think that whole COVID period where they were kicking people out and still are trying to kick people out and people are having to go to courts and whatnot. Yeah. I think that really tore the mask off of the military and people are like, what are they doing? Right. You know, over something that and the increased uh, training for tolerance training, the whole acceptance training, woke, woke training. Yeah. Uh, that you've seen snippets of the videos. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, 
not anything that the military was. You couple all that with the Joint Chiefs of Staff who let Afghanistan happen. Uh, Are you talking about specifically the withdrawal? The withdrawal from Afghanistan. Nobody lost their job. People lost their lives. Yeah. We took some civilian lives, yeah. and nobody lost their job over that. And I think people are seeing it and going, I, why do I want to? It's not the operation it used to be. It's not. And I think uh, some of the guys who are who were going in, I've talked to a friend who's, whose kid is going in there. I said, hey, he's got to be careful because he doesn't know who's going to turn on him. You know, I think there's very few people who are just overt saying things, you know. Sure. I hate this kind of guys. I don't like these kind of people. I, you know, there's nobody's doing that. Yeah. But somebody may make a joke. Yeah. Somebody might report you, and the next thing you do, you're out of the military. You're on your way out. Whoa. Yeah. Because there's no defense. Nobody's coming to any of these guys' defense. Nope. So. But that, but that's where they're they're scratching their head. They're like, how are we 40% below our recruiting target? And it's like, Well, and again, we've talked about it through these articles that we've had. Yeah. Uh, again, the tattoos, the beards, all that's positive, right? But then you're going to take money, substance from a person and say, you know, we'll let you have that tattoo, but you're no longer going to get support for this grueling job. In that article, somebody led or somebody led or somebody was quoted as saying, hey, you're going to take money away plus the difficulty that you guys are now placing on trying to get to the senior ranks of the enlisted and that's you know you're not really creating an environment that people want to come into and i didn't know i I, you know god knows what requirements they've placed on to make a senior nco now sure if you can't get there you're going to see a lot more tech retirements oh yeah yeah and it's just and again what's what What's the incentive to stay and try? That absolutely. Yeah. Doesn't exist. That's crazy. Well, sir, the next article I like, it really impacts all of the military services. Um, and you and I both have learned a little something from this one. So I'm hoping we'll be able to provide some information to our listeners. The National Defense Service Medal will not be awarded after this December. Following the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan and the formal end of combat operations in Iraq, the Defense Department is preparing to truly transition the military out of a wartime posture. Hmm. Which is to say, the National Defense Service Medal is going back into retirement on December 31st. And so it's only a medal for times of declared war? It appears so. Did we declare war in Iraq or Afghanistan? Well, I know... Did we do a or, formal declaration no, of war? No, but it was combat operations. It wasn't a declaration of war. We haven't declared war since... Well, I'd say Vietnam or Korean. Was... Uh, Vietnam I was wonder. a police action, right? All right. No, yeah. Korea was a... Korea was a UN action, right? Policing action, sure. Yeah. And I thought Vietnam was too. I don't think it was a declaration. I don't think we World ever War formally II declared war, right? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So I love this part. The award, affectionately known as the pizza stain. I have never heard of that. <laughs> which all troops serving since 9-11 have been able to pin on their uniforms after initial training. They won't be awarded for the foreseeable future. God. Termination is based on the United States no longer conducting large-scale combat operations in designated geographic locations as a result of the terrorist attacks on the United States that occurred September 11, 2001. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin wrote in a memo signed August 30. 
thus brings to a close the fourth conflict for which troops could earn the National Defense Service Medal. It previously was activated for five years during the first Gulf War, 13 years for the Vietnam War, and four years for the Korean War. Wow. So that, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't know it was an activation period. I, th- I honestly I thought, either. just based on the title alone, National Defense, you've just joined the service here, you're part of this now. Right, right. But that is not the case. That's what I thought. I thought it was like, welcome welcome to the military. Here's your yeah. national defense. The announcement comes a month after the department scaled back eligibility for the Global War on Terrorism Service Medal, which will be limited to deployments to Syria going forward. Huh. That's kind of crazy. Syria is the only place in the world? Syria. Yeah. Troops deploying to Iraq for train, advise, and assist missions will instead receive the Global War on Terrorism Expeditionary Medal. So I'm assuming it's based on definition of expeditionary versus Global War on Terrorism, the service medal. It's not that the U.S. is no longer involved in counterterrorism or any potential combat operations, according to the Pentagon but that those operations are on a small scale they don't that do not rate the medal wow still You're troops not fighting hard enough so you don't get the medal <laughs> <laughs> still troops continue to deploy throughout the world including to ostensible war zones since march roughly 20,000 american troops have been mobilized to central and eastern europe in support of nato either training local forces or teaming up with ukrainian troops outside the country to get them up to speed on U.S. weapons sent over for their fight against Russia. Now, to me, that's a pretty big combat operation. Why wouldn't you still receive the national defense for that? I don't know. That's a, I, I had, first off, I never knew the national defense was tied to combat operations or uh, war. A war, right. yeah. Hmm. It's possible that the mission could become a named operation that then might warrant a specific medal. But Air Force Brigadier General Pat Ryder, a Pentagon spokesman, told Military Times in August that there were no announcements to be made. And in Africa, U.S. troops are deployed to Somalia and Kenya, launching airstrikes against Al-Shabaab militants. With what the end of National Defense Service Medal essentially means is that while troops will earn awards for deploying abroad in support of myriad missions, they won't get a wartime award just for completing training. Wow. So incentive and recruitment. Yay. So no no automatic pizza stain anymore. No more red medal for completing this basic is, training. This is really hard to believe, but I looked up declarations of war mm-hmm. by Congress. Okay. Right? <laughs> the last declaration of war was against Bulgaria, Hungary, and Romania on June 4th, 1942. That we declared. That we declared. Wow. That's it. Since 1942, does that blow your mind? That's like, how did we do all the rest of the shit? (laughs) When you think, well, yeah, because everything Congress has to approve. Yeah. But no declaration. I guess they've been bypassing it. Hmm. You would have thought at least Gulf War. Right? I mean, well, yeah. But again, huh. it, that was that goes back to that whole global terrorism. I, it's they, they global get around war on it. terrorism. Yeah, they get around sure. it. They've 
They've minimized Congress's votes on all this stuff. And I'm know? sure money's involved when you nah. call for Congress doesn't war. debate. They don't vote on yeah. anything. So. The parties just fight. Well, um, I guess I'm glad I got the NDSM in my uh, official military photograph. I concur. <laughs> I have one of those as well. <laughs> on behalf of Nassar Parat, <laughs> I'd like to thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please leave a like and share the podcast with someone else. Let us know how we did in the comments. And as always, make sure to download the next episode for more service headline news. See you next week. Buddy. See you next week, Eric. <laughs>